This week's Raiders game against the Giants is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. All right, we got a, uh, a football Friday here. We're going to have David Locke on to talk jazz next. We're going to spend a little time on football storylines, big games. We're getting to midseason in the NFL. I guess now we have to wait until teams are playing their ninth game to say, this is the middle of the season now that they've gone to 17 games. Teams are playing their eighth game and out of habit, I want to say, this is it, the halfway point of the season. I love to do that, and Yach loves to make fun of me for it. It's like the one thing PK forgets to make fun of me for, but Yach always reminds him to make fun of me for. But I can't really do it now. It's not the halfway point yet. But there are teams that start out every year, and they got three or four wins in midseason, and they rally, make the playoffs. You can go back through previous years and find teams that have done it. In some cases, you can find teams that have gone to the Super Bowl. So this is all just... uh, it's kind of the warm-up, and then it gets way more intense in the second half of the season. And the thing we've got this year as we hit the, the middle part of the season is we just got resets for all these teams. Now, for some of these teams, it's kind of a one-off. I mean, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's just going to miss one or two games. But the Packers aren't the Packers at 7-1. The Chiefs have stumbled to 4-4. Four and four. I don't think they can pull this together. I mean, are they a playoff contender? Yes, they're a playoff contender. Are they a Super Bowl contender? They look a long way away from that. Maybe. Maybe they can get to the playoffs and outscore somebody and win a game. But it doesn't seem like there's any way they can do more than that. The Cardinals, with no track record, great start. You're 7-1. and one. They're one of the teams that seems like kind of study as she goes, and they don't have a lot of change to deal with. The, the Titans, obviously a mega injury, and the Titans are playing a game of the week. 6-2 and two Titans, 7-1 and one Rams. By record, it's the game of the week, but the Titans have lost Derrick Henry. So it's like they've got to they conjure up a whole new offense. Because everything they did was either Derrick Henry running over people, Derrick Henry running away from people, or, well, you're focused on Derrick Henry possibly running over and away from people. We're going to do this over here. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to hand it off to somebody else. And we're going to run a jet sweep, and the guy's going to go wide, and there's not going to be anybody there because there'll be eight guys diving on Derrick Henry, and he's a decoy just, you know, with faking the handoff up the middle. All that's out the window now. It's a whole new deal for the Titans. So intriguing this weekend to see what the Titans look like against the Rams. Man, if there's a team you don't want to have to figure it out against. And the Rams going all in, trading draft picks, bringing in Von Miller. So plenty of storylines there. For the Raiders, man, if there's one thing we've learned, it's that coaches hate distractions. But the Raiders had a coach create a distraction. The coach is gone. Now they've had, I don't want to label him a star player, but he is their deep threat, so that always gets people's attention. He's a first-round pick. Yeah, but a first-round, he, he wasn't a star. But he was an important part of the offense. Even if he's not catching balls, he takes the top off of the defense, opens it up for everybody else. And now Henry Ruggs is out. He's got his legal issues after the DUI crash and the death in Vegas. So this is a team that's, you know, new play caller, losing a guy who's a part of the offense, and then they're dealing with the distractions, getting asked about it all the time. Guys have relationships with the coach. Guys have relationships with the player. They're gone. Are the Raiders going to hold it together? And honestly, how much did we believe them in in the first place before all of this? You know, are they okay? Yeah, they're okay. But are they among the top group of contenders? 
Only the most hardcore of the silver and black would say that. But now by record, they're sitting right there. Seems pretty clear to me the Ravens and the Bills are the teams. And that's who we're looking at. And everybody else is chasing them. Now, those teams may be gutted by injuries. They may have their problems in the second half of the season. But as we sit here now, those are the teams. If you got those two or the field, I would think you would take one of those two, not the field, to go to the Super Bowl. But there are many games to sort this out, and we're already dealing with changes we had no idea were coming. It's a bigger weekend for me looking at the NFL than it is for college for no other reason than, man, the Utes and Cougars and Aggies are playing nobody this weekend. Nobody, nobody, and nobody. A combined 5-19. and 19. They're horrible opponents. The Utes opponent at least looks remotely dangerous. Stanford beat Oregon. And that's Oregon's only loss, and Oregon won at Ohio State. Oregon has not been dominating people, but they have definitely got a knack for pulling out close games, and they didn't against Stanford. And I know then then we get into the whole, well, there was pass interference play, and they got an untimed down, and that got them to overtime, and you know, we can argue that kind of stuff forever. But Oregon wasn't a close game with Stanford. They could be in a close game with the Utes, I suppose. Although on the surface, there doesn't appear to be any reason for that. Everybody who tries to run the ball, and the Utes obviously fall in the group of teams to try to run the ball. Everybody who tries to run the ball, even remotely, runs for 200 yards against these guys. SC, who spreads the field and throws it around, ran for 185 yards against these guys. Wazoo ran for 100. Stanford's run defense, bad. The Utes should take care of this. This should not be a problem. When they dominate the run game, and when they dominate defensively against the run, and I told you earlier this morning, Stanford said 100 yard back all year long. The Utes win. Period. End of story. It's what Kyle Whittingham wants to do. It's how he's built the team. And when he does that, he wins. If he doesn't do that, BYU game, they get beat. Don't get pushed around at the line of scrimmage. And the Utes are the ones who, and, and Stanford may not have their quarterback. Tanner McKee's questionable for the game. We don't know why. Stanford's coach, David Shaw, didn't get into that, but he's questionable for the game. And their whole offense hangs on him. So this is all set up for Utah. It is all right in front of them. They have to go 3-1 and one in their last four. And when you got Arizona and Colorado on your schedule, I got you penciled in for two wins right there. This should be three. Get this, and if you're a Ute fan, man, buy those Pac-12 title game tickets. You are headed to the Pac-12 championship game. It's go time. And for everybody else, you're playing one in seven teams. For BYU, it's the big sky game. It's a money game. Most teams in the West play that in September. It's an independent. You've got to play it in November. We're all looking forward when you don't have to do that anymore in two years. And for Utah State, it's New Mexico State. And New Mexico State, one in seven. Lost twice that Hawaii team you just lost to. Their win is over South Carolina State. Let that sink in. Not South Carolina. South Carolina State. This is a team that went up against UTEP and New Mexico, and I know UTEP's having a good season, but they're still UTEP. And New Mexico's not having a good season. And New Mexico State lost to both of them. So, Utah State, W. BYU, W. Utah tonight, ought to be a W. There's just going to be a whole lot of winning down the stretch. The Aggies have a couple of gimmies. The Utes have a couple of gimmies. The Cougars have a couple of gimmies. How many games really should be lost in November? Maybe two at most the rest of the way. It's not out of the realm that the three local bowl subdivision teams, man, that's a mouthful. They got to come up with, what was wrong with 1A? 1A was fine. Why did we go to bowl subdivision? 1A was fine. Those three local teams could run the table in November. 
There's really no reason not to. Utah State's toughest game is probably San Jose State. Utah's toughest game is USC, and they look like a mess. And the Utes have Oregon. All right. Not unbeatable. Everybody's playing close games with them, but you got to give it to Oregon. They've had an after winning close games. A whole lot of winning down the stretch for college football teams. It is all set up, and this weekend ought to be just full of victories. Just completely set up with the wins. When it's all said and done, all three of these teams ought to have 10 wins. That is also set up. Now, in the Utes' case, they could be you know playing 14 games, so it gets a little easier to get to 10 wins. But 10-2, and two, uh, certainly with a 13th game, a bowl game, I guess actually the Aggies could end up playing 14 games too. BYU 10-2, and two, the Utes and Aggies in their conference championship games. That's how we wake up on December 1st next month. BYU 10-2, and two, Utah and Utah State, we're getting set for conference title games. It is a good year to be a local college football fan. All right, DJ PK coming up. Stanford's play-by-play guy is going to join us coming up at uh, 9 o'clock, and we'll see if he knows any more about Tanner. Tanner McKee's status and availability for tonight and what Stanford will look like. Man, when he hasn't played, they have not looked good. they got a couple other quarterbacks. One doesn't throw the ball, and one throws the ball poorly. We'll talk with uh, Scott Reese coming up at uh, 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joins us. The Jazz on the road and winning without Donovan Mitchell. We'll talk with David next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Utah Jazz picking up a win on the road in Atlanta. They do it without Donovan Mitchell. No Donovan, no problem. Donovan's role, scoring 20 to 30 points a game. Taken up quite ably by Jordan Clarkson, who dumped 30 in on Atlanta. He got hot in the second half and couldn't miss. He'd missed a lot in the two previous games. He missed a lot in the first half. But something clicked, and clearly, judging by his body language, he was rolling in the confidence. Oodles o confidence, and he made almost every shot he put up in the second half. He was flexing. He was smiling. He was Basically just going MJ and wagging the tongue and just like, let's get back down court. I want to shoot again because this is awesome. And he made 9 out of 11 shots and carried the Jazz as they scored at will in the second half. 77 points in the second half to pull away and beat Atlanta 116-98. to And Atlanta, off to a mediocre start. They're 4-5. and five. They've lost four of the last five games. Trey Young had a quote. About, uh, you know, the regular season's a little boring. And <laughs> this is Scotty G went after him on Twitter. That was fun, Scotty G. Uh, but come on, they just had a great playoff run. He's experienced a thrill of the playoffs, going to Madison Square Garden, taking the Knicks down in five, going to Philly and winning a seven game series, and having the world champs tied 2 2. 
in a conference final before the Bucks ultimately won games five and six and, and won the series in six. So maybe Atlanta's got a little hangover for that. Maybe they're doing a little Kansas City Chiefs thing here. I don't know. But that was a nice win for the Jazz. No Donovan Mitchell. One-point game going to the fourth quarter. And Clarkson continues his role. Joe Ingles, who'd been great in the first half, hit a couple of big shots. Bogey hit a couple of big shots. And the Jazz got to the free throw line in the fourth quarter. They got to the free throw line down the stretch and, uh, and made enough of them. And win going away, 116-98. Time to talk jazz basketball with David Locke. But right now, Yach would rather talk to David Locke. <laughs> Listen, I got a couple things to say. We'll put them on the radio when we're good and ready. I've been watching the jazz and I have a couple observations. I'm going to monopolize David right now. Yach just kept holding up one finger. Yeah, we'll get to it. I got to talk to David for a second, though. Just blowing us off, Yach. It's your world. We're just renting space. It's good to be the Yachtmeister. All right, David Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by Murdoch Auto Team. We are allowed to speak with David now. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. 877-346-3333. David Locke, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It was a fun game last night. Guys played well. Played really, really hard. Got a win. Jordan went crazy. <laughs> it's kind of fun. So you know a lot of what is coming, partly because you get to talk to coaches, and so they tell you, hey, watch for this, watch for that. We're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. So, and, and you've been around so many games. You see the trends. You know a bunch of stuff yourself. But nonetheless, a one-point game going to the fourth quarter, did you think – this game will be over at the six-minute mark. The Jazz will lock this game up in the first half of the fourth quarter because they pushed the lead up to 13. And with six minutes to go, I'm thinking, yeah, Atlanta's done. This is over. Jazz have this. Yeah, there was a boy on three that rimmed out where I'm like, like I, my mind, I'd started to call it. Yeah, like, I, I know the play. Game, yeah. Right? Um, no, I did not see that coming at all. Um, you know, there were these kind of moments where they had such a rough first quarter and they were down one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think a line I used on the broadcast was it look, feels as though you showed up to a Sunday matinee and got the understudies. Because um, it just didn't look like them. I mean, Royce turned the pass out of bounds. I think that was Trent Forrest, you know, movie. I mean, truthfully, what's going on is anytime we're outside of our core nine right now, it's kind of like falling apart. It was Actually, that was the case in up until the third quarter when Jordan got going and they went on a 16-7 to run with Mike and Rudy on off the floor. And so that was the first moment where last night I was like, oh, we're okay. Because what I was watching before that was this kind of teeter-totter of how far ahead can we get when Mike and Rudy are on the floor and how much of it are we going to give back when they go to the bench. Um, in the first stint of the night in which Mike, when Rudy went to the bench, I think we were 0 for 8 with three turnovers and had two free throws for the whole time. Um, and But defended and stayed in. I mean, that's where Trent Forrest is really, you know, he's a really hell of a defender. And so despite that the, we were struggling offensively, he kept us in the game. Um, so so, but then when they went on the sixteen to seven run in the third quarter with Trent Forrest and Jordan and Joe and Pascal and Gobert on the floor, or uh, Whiteside on the floor, 
then, you know, you're like, okay, well, we're in pretty good shape because Mike and Rudy will have never, you know, outscore everybody. Um, and so they should be okay. Okay, so apparently Yach wants to make it clear that he wasn't just selfishly monopolizing you. He was actually getting to Jordan Clarkson post-game quote that you thought was worthwhile. He has it, and why don't you set it up for us? Why is this uh, important? What did you hear in this? So, I don't know where you are on this. If I'm perfectly honest, I, I generally find some of the team chemistry talk that we hear all the time, like a little, you know, I like analytics, right? And um, I'm not always the biggest buyer into the whole team chemistry thing. Like, just you know, there's plenty of teams that don't get along with Glenn Play and are pretty good. Um, maybe I grew up rooting for Billy Martin's Yankees, and so you know, and Billy Martin's A's, and they all hated each other. Um, but this is a case where, and actually, the more I'm spending back being around the team, you know, the amount of times I hear whether it's coaches or players talking about how much they like the guys and how much they like the group. And it, I think is going to carry this team through this season because there's a lot of pitfalls that they have over the next 70 games that could derail them. And I think it'll, it, it, and I just thought this, like Jordan, who has just a sincerity to everything about him, I thought this comment just was really, really telling. When I missed the last 23 shots, probably threes or whatever it was, I mean, in my mind, I just tried to continue to be myself. And my teammates all the way down the line, coaches, owner, management, everybody just coming up to me, JC, keep shooting, keep shooting. It's going to happen. And then Dom, before the game, just coming over to me, telling me, like, bro, it's going to happen. And we start hitting, it's just going to keep falling. Hats off to, like, that's why I love this team. I love my teammates, love the coaching staff, love this organization, because they all believe in me and uh, believe what I can do. And it's just beautiful. That's why you want to go out there and win a bunch of games and play hard and compete for each other, so I'm very thankful for that. Hey, I, that's, I don't know, I just thought that was a different level. Like, that's not just the talk. That's not just the words. There was there was a real heartfelt comment in there. I think talent matters, number one. Uh, chemistry does matter, although I think when you win, you have better chemistry. Um, and then I also think with veteran teams, and this is where the Jazz still have young guys, but once you... You know, you're married with kids. You're not going to hang out with the guys as much. So it helps to have good chemistry when you're there. But young teams have different chemistry than old teams. And I think young teams can win in baseball, and I think they do win in football. But basketball really demands veterans. So I'm with you. A lot of the team chemistry hype, yeah, I'd rather have it than not. Um, But mostly I'd rather have talent. Right. You know, and and I'd, rather, I'd rather have the analytics to find every single advantage. If you shoot the three better here than you shoot the three over there, well, let's figure out to get more threes here where you make more of them. Right. So, so I'm, I, I'm much more into that. that. Your comment that you know, winning teams you know, end up with good chemistry. Like I'm guessing the Braves' chemistry wasn't great throughout the season this year at times, and now their chemistry is great because they won a championship. Yep. Um, so, but I thought there was actually a little depth to that. And frankly, the Jazz have every, this is the thing. The Jazz have every reason to have bad chemistry at this point. Because? They have playoff failures, or whatever you want to call them. I mean, failure's not the right word, because, but they have scars. They, they have joint collective scars. Whether it's, you know, Rudy and Don had their issue, right? They've had an issue. Um, they've all been together for a long time. Like I'm sure they each, whatever little thing each of them does that can annoy could annoy the crap out of them are evident to them at all times. Um, and they have, you know, and they've they've fallen short in of their goal last year and the year prior. And so they have scars. And so you could 
you could very easily cop out and point fingers and come to the season like, oh, here we do it again with this guy who like let us down. But there's none of that at all with this group. I, I, I've been stunned by that from the very first moment we met with them this year. That when we first got together with them on content day, that there just was not a lot of talk backwards about losing to the Clippers and the pain of the offseason. And, you know, there was Mike saying, you know, I actually didn't leave my house for a little while. But that was also the same guy who was saying, you know, when it came to looking at free agency, I realized all the things I would be missing if I left, and so I came back. So there just hasn't been that, you know, Marcus Smart freaking just torched the Celtics this week, right? I mean, that was a torch. These guys don't want to pass. <laughs> Like, holy smokes. Yeah, but, but you know, on the look. other hand, it was just cold-hearted truth out in the open. I hope he said it privately before he said it publicly. But if it didn't work privately, and you got to say it publicly, right. well, sometimes you do. And yeah, I, I, mean, hey, I they won, did they notice. They won two straight since. Right, right and exactly. And then they won. You know, everybody's got the scars. And that doesn't. that's a sports thing. That's an NBA thing. It's a college thing. It's just a life thing, right? And in the NBA, you have to have the scars to win. Now, some teams get the scars and never win. And you know, win is de- is defined differently. You know, for for Sacramento, just getting to the playoffs would be a win, right? It's been 15 years. Other teams, it's winning a playoff series. That was where the Jazz were last year. Then it's about getting the finals and winning it all. You know, and so you're fortunate if you're in the group that has the scars, but you're in the group that has a chance to win it all because that group isn't that big. You were telling us earlier, yeah. Three, usually it's two to three teams. Now it's maybe three to five or six teams with none of them have more than a 15 or 20% chance of winning. So a lot of teams are going to get scars, but somebody's going to figure it out. You know, how do you, how do you work your way past all that stuff? Well, if you want to be a champion, you have to do it. Right. And this, you know, I just thought that, you know, that comment from Jordan, you know, I, I don't think, I think he actually added one more line, which is why I come to work every day excited, right? And it, and if you're 30 years old, you're playing this league, it's a job. It's work, right? We hear it out. Joe, your interviews with Joe are great. I mean, I listened this week. and But you can hear it's a job, right? But it's a job they enjoy um, because of the guys that win. I thought Joe had some interesting comments this week and that kind of revealed the same stuff. I mean, <clears throat> actually it was with PK, I guess, because you were out. But, you know, even they were kind of just joking about Rudy and the fact that Rudy decided a one-man fast break in a whirling dervish of disaster the other day. Um, and even as Joe kind of had fun with it, you could hear Joe being like, yeah, but like it was a little bit like you were making fun of his brother, and he was like, he wasn't really there. He was like, you know, the guy does a lot of stuff for us, so he tried something for a play. It didn't work. He probably should give it up next time. But, you know, if he's going to run the floor instead of pick and rebound every time, I guess he gets to do that. Like, it was really, that was three years of being together. of Like, okay, I'm going to accept that from Rudy because, of everything else he does for us. And he took six shots last night, you know, and, uh, he's, you know, he's not getting shots right now. And so I, I, I even heard it on that one where, you know, it was really funny and I was laughing, but it was clear to me that Joe was like, okay, let's not go too far with this. That's my brother you're talking about. So the Jazz are 7-1 and one, headed into Florida this weekend for a back-to-back with Miami and Orlando. Uh, I'm assuming right, Conley I've is... Got a great talk show, I've got a great talk show topic. Well, why okay. don't we do that then? <laughs> Apparently. Okay. I'm sure. I mean, this one's going to get me in trouble, but that's all right. All right. So Mike's not playing back to back, right? Right. Donovan's probably not playing back to back with Sorenko, right? You would think. Like, you go two and one on the road trip, all good, right? You would think. Yeah. If you win two thirds of your road games in the NBA, you're probably in a pretty good place. 60 Any wins. Thought? Well, yeah, I assume, and this was my question to you, I assume that these two guys are not going to play 
on Saturday in Miami. And right, okay, so Conley so plays can I give, Sunday. Can I, give, can, I give, can, I give, can I give Rudy the day off too then? Uh, I guess it depends on how he feels. If you just want to totally throw it away. <laughs> just, I don't well, know how many of the I best mean, players you can take off the floor and still win. I mean, well, I mean, if we're going without Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell against Miami Heat, we might be like throwing it away. You might be, but uh, if guys are ready to go and it gives guys a chance to be in a bigger role and perform and they pull something off, that could be awesome for the team down the road. Hey, they had to play big games without Conley and Mitchell at the end of yeah. last season, and they had to play in the playoffs with them limited. If guys have more confidence, I would, without those two guys, I would take it. I mean, to your point, they're two of their three best players most nights. So, yeah, if they're not playing against a team the caliber of the Heat, you're in trouble. Yeah, Kyle Lowry sprained an ankle last night, though, so who knows. See, you're making a case. Go for it. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Like, I don't know. I was just, I don't know what load management is. Um, I don't really get it. Uh, I haven't really seen anything from any data standpoint that says load management works. Um, but I do know you that you didn't see the games, data that the Spurs did it and they won a bunch of championships because right, I'm sure that's right. the data most that's of the league the is going on. That's right. the data. But it's not data. That's yeah. not data. That's <laughs> that could be a coincidence. That could be a correlation, and it could not be a have a correlation. Um, but I do know this: seven road games, well, six road games and a single home game, so seven road games in eleven days is a lot. And if Rudy is, uh, you know, if there's something going on we don't know about, uh, then I'm 100% in favor of giving him the time off. Uh, I assume right. he's completely healthy because I haven't heard anything. I'm not covering my tracks no, here. He's, I, I mean, he's been incredible. Yeah. I mean, we're seven. I mean, Donovan's great. Jordan was amazing last night. I mean, man, literally, we're seven and one for a reason. Like, I was playing a game last night. Here's a fun one. We were replacing every center in the NBA with Rudy Gobert and giving the team their win total. It was pretty interesting. So, we had. 27 teams of 500 Rudy Gobert as their center. Well, that seems aggressive. Now, i got to admit, I haven't played this game and I haven't thought about it, so you'll probably be better than me at it and embarrass me on the radio. All right. uh, who are the three, teams, who are the three teams who suck so bad that Rudy couldn't get them to 500? Oklahoma City Detroit, and Houston? Detroit, Houston, Oklahoma City. Okay. We actually had Orlando at 500. Uh, really? Particularly if Jonathan Isaac came back because you were not going to be able to score against him. Came, so Sacramento, Rudy Gobert in for Sean Holmes. That's a 500 playoff team. Yeah, okay, I can buy that. Yeah. Minnesota, Rudy Gobert in for Carl Anthony Towns. That's a playoff team. That one's hard because Carl's so good offensively. But D'Angelo Russell and... I, I'm just looking at the, yeah, just the worst teams here. Uh, can he fix... Oklahoma City, San Antonio. No. San Antonio, yes. San Antonio now becomes the number one or two defensive team in the league. And so, therefore, they're 500 or better. Hmm. There aren't that uh, many teams in the East with a losing record right now, so it's right. actually pretty easy. I mean, the Hawks and the Celtics are 4-5, and five, so Rudy's just got to The Hawks, actually, you know what's really interesting is the Hawks are the team we actually, they're already a playoff team, so we decided they'd still be a playoff team. But... Clint Capella is just not Rudy Gobert, but he's not that far off. Right, right. Um, you know, the Hawks keep – they're not – Nate's screwing them up right now. But um, What's it? How's he screwing opinion. them up? Um, they've stopped running. They've stopped shooting threes. They're running – and they're not, they're not 
their shot distribution's wacky, like they're not shooting threes. Um, Devaluing the Jazz win last night. Atlanta screwed up. Um, they have lost. Well, look at the five. shot. Look at the shot distribution. That's not devaluing. That's just why we win games. We win games every, all the time because of shot distribution. We did last night. How, what did we take? Fifteen more threes than they did. Uh, Jazz took. I gotta look that up. I think it was thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. It's a lot. Forty-one twenty-eight. If you're taking thirteen threes, an average. League average is down right now to like 34% shooting, but it's still 1.0 points per play. And a mid-range shot is 40%. That's 0.8. So that's a 0.2 advantage. And you take 13 more of them, that, that is, you know, 2.5 points. Yeah, Jazz won by 17. So. Right. I mean, but so, yeah, and Jordan went crazy. But the, that, those 2.5 points matter. One by 18. Sorry, cheat him out of a point. So, have you got any worries watching this team I mean, rattle off 30, to a 7-1 start? 35, they took 35 mid-range shots, and we took 15. They took yeah. 10 long twos, we took two. Like, Trey Young has to be Steph Curry. Trey Young needs to shoot 10, 11, 12 threes in a game and stretch the floor. I think he took four out of 20 shots. Jazz and Warriors have the best record in the NBA. Uh, I know you don't have too many worries about the Jazz because they're winning a lot, but if you try to match them up with some of the other teams that are off to really good starts, you got any worries? Sure, I got a lot of worries because the standard is winning a championship. So I have a lot of worries. Like, sure, I mean, I can get really, like, I think there have been some sequences already this season where I'm like, ooh, gosh, that's, you know, if you have an Achilles heel, like, it gets exposed somewhere in the, by the time you play, four teams win a championship. And, you know, little of the hope is that you can get through and not face that team that exposes it. Milwaukee, you know, got exposed by Miami and then didn't have to face, then got over it and didn't face anyone else who exposed them. So in that sense, um, you know, so I've seen some things that have me concerned, um, but that's only because our standard is trying to win a championship right now. You want to reevaluate where you put any of these teams in the uh, preseason of what you've seen so far? Are you a little higher on the Warriors? Um, a little cooler on the Blazers? Yeah, so I mean, I think I missed. Uh, well, the Blazers, honestly, I just think it's because they have a first year head coach. So um, I didn't miss on the Blazers of the fifth best offensive team in the NBA right now. And that was really my point was that they were going to be utterly fine offensively um, and be elite offensively. And so they were going to be fine. And I just think. I think coaching this league's really, 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 really hard and the no different than the best players in the league. It's the third it's the twenty five best coaches and then if you're not one of the five, you stand out like a really sore thumb. Um and if you look at first year head coaches, they're generally not doing very well. Um so, you know, MA Doka and Boston's had a little controversy already, right? As a as a first year head coach, Orlando's team's not very good, so I'm not gonna really criticize Jamal mostly for being two and seven, but New Orleans is one and eight. You know, that seems a little Harsh. Portland's three and five. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go put that on first year coach until he figures it out. Um, so, you know, and if you look at the teams that are good right now, all of those coaches have all been in the league for an awfully long time, right? Like Snyder, Spolstra, Rivers, Donovan, are the best records in the NBA. Come on, like that's yeah, they got good teams, but that's also like really good adventure. Um, so the team I would reevaluate right now is the Clippers. Um, I missed, I think, on that. 
I thought they would be fine offensively. Now, Marquis Morris didn't really feel like doing training, it looks like, and so he's not really ready to go, and so a bunch of their support staff around them, and maybe I just didn't understand the of uh, not having Kawhi Leonard, where I run my they just don't understand the the value of somebody carrying 25 possessions, 20 possessions in a night. They look at, you know, the distribution of 85, 90 on a given night and say, oh, you'll be fine. But I don't think my system understands the the value of that. And I think both Denver and the Clippers are in that. Denver's offense is 24th in the league right now, and the Clippers is 22nd. Um, that, that's an area. Golden State, um, frankly, what I, you know, they're the number one defense in the NBA right now. And so if that really is going to hold, then they're really, really good. Um and I just didn't have um, I didn't on defense in the NBA this year, um, so that's that's the question. Uh, their offense is um, kind of where I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, really, my system charts offenses, and I missed on that one a little bit. Phoenix is a little surprising to me right now. We'll see. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I think I think Phoenix and Milwaukee are super tired. They had no off season, and so probably have to let them work their way through. Um, but my my area where maybe I was wrong is Denver and the Clippers seem to be the burden of playing without a marquee possession user seems to be more than I would have anticipated. He's David Locke. David, you enjoy South Beach. Jazz in the Heat Saturday. Jazz in Orlando Sunday. We'll hear you right here on the Zone Sports Network. So is it like a bad sign that when I was 20-whatever traveling, I would take the long cab ride into South Beach and spend the day over there. And now I'm excited because the New York Times put out a top 50 restaurants, and I'm going to one of those. Everybody gets older, David, it happens. I don't know what yeah, to tell you. I kind of, kind of figured. Okay, yeah. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thanks. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He will be back on the air tomorrow, 5.30, the Jazz and the Heat. Coming up, Scott Reese, Stanford Cardinal play-by-play voice. Joining us in 15 minutes here on The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a battle against Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia, the Cougars finally get a week off from Power 5 opponents as they welcome in Idaho State to Provo. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams, x-rays for new patients, and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. I'm in a good mood today. And I am in a group of one. I'm surrounded by a sea of negativity, except for Yak, who is dancing to show tunes. But other than that, a sea of negativity. No Donovan Mitchell versus the Hawks. No problem. How impressive is that? Donovan sat, and the Jazz won by 18. 116-98. Jordan Clarkson went for 30. The Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Final last year. They had the world champs tied up 2-2 in the Eastern Final. They're a young team on the way up. Trey Young... He's a budding star. I suppose you could say he's arrived. Clint Capella. (laughs) 
We saw him in Houston. We know he's good. You run down that roster, they got talent. They did not luck their way in the Eastern Conference Final. Now, did they get there ahead of schedule? Should it have taken another year or two? Sure, maybe you can argue that. And the Jazz dominated the fourth quarter without Donovan Mitchell. How impressive is that? And Vickster goes super negative. Much more impressive than the Padres' regular season record. And then takes the snipping tool, as if I don't know the Padres finish with a losing record, and sends me the division standings with San Diego 28 games behind San Francisco. Vickster, man, you're just trying to hurt me. Like I haven't had a lifetime of dealing with Padre disappointment. Two World Series appearances in my entire existence. Well, really, in their entire existence. Who are we kidding? In everybody's entire existence. Four and a half games in front of the lowly Rockies. Yeah, they fell apart. They crashed and burned. They, I don't know, give me another cliche. Poop the bed. Whatever. Yes, I'm aware, Vixter. Don't try to hurt me. Jazz fans cannot celebrate a Jazz victory unless they know someone else is hurting. What is wrong? Shake off the negativity, people. Let's go. All right, Scott Reese, Stanford Cardinal play-by-play voice, uh, scheduled to join us next. I've been telling you about that all morning. I know you fans are tuning in to hear about that. Get the latest on Stanford. Is Tanner McKee going to play or not? And turns out I've been lying to you. But I didn't know I was lying. Scott just notified uh, Yaki he's got to bump back to 9.30. So Scott's on hold. Not, not literally, but essentially. And we will talk with Scott Reese, Stanford play-by-play voice at 9 o'clock. The Cardinal. Why in the world did they beat Oregon, get to 3-2? and two? That was their third win in four games. They lost their opener because they started the wrong quarterback. They switched quarterbacks and went three out of four. They beat Oregon. I mean, they were on their way. Stanford's going to be good. And suddenly they've lost three in a row. It turned out Oregon, which I thought was the launching point for their season, was the last good thing that happened to them. What the heck has happened? We'll ask Scott coming up at 9 o'clock, and we'll ask if Tanner McKee's going to play or if they're going to be back to the quote-unquote, wrong quarterback. All right, that's coming up at 9.30. DJ and PK, more time for your reaction to the Jazz win. More time on a football Friday for you to celebrate the wins that seem inevitable for the locals this weekend. A month of victories that seems inevitable. We're going to get to Thanksgiving, and local college football fans are going to be giving thanks for a bunch of victories. We'll do that next. Stay with us.